Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. I want to tell you today the miracle we're going to look at is one you may be familiar with or maybe not, but it's a story in the Bible in John chapter 11. And there was a man named Lazarus. Lazarus had two sisters. When I read this, I thought of my children because I got a son and two daughters. And Lazarus and the sisters, Martha and Mary, were very close to Jesus. In fact, in Scripture, it says that Jesus loved them. And the way it's written was a deeper love than just how he loves everybody. There was a personal connection that he had with these people. And Lazarus got sick. And everybody knew how much Jesus loved and cared for this family. And his disciples came to him and said, hey, Master, Lazarus is sick. We need to go pray for him. Will you go pray for him? And Jesus didn't go and do what they wanted him to do. It confused everyone. And when he showed up, Lazarus had already been dead. The sickness had consumed him. And people were very upset with Jesus. Why didn't you come sooner? We know you could have healed him. Why did you choose not to? Almost pointing the finger at Jesus like, did you really not love Lazarus? Did you not love us? Why did you allow this to happen? What's wrong with you, Jesus? Was it an off day? Because they looked at the circumstance and it already concluded that was the end of the story. Limited. And out of that limitation came their thought process. Out of that limitation came their judgment. Out of that limitation came every way that they viewed God and Jesus in in the entire moment. It all came out of their limited understanding and thinking about who God is. Everybody say limited. Jesus teaches, and we're going to dive into these different scriptures today, but he, he, he teaches them that no. There's something about to take place you've never even experienced. In fact, he says in verse 4, when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness isn't unto death, but it's for the glory of God, so the Son of Man may be glorified through it. That there was a bigger purpose taking place, but nobody could see it, even though Jesus was telling them this. Have you ever had a word from God, and you heard his voice clearly, but didn't understand what it meant? Well, that's what was going on to them. He said, no, 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 the sickness isn't unto death. And they're like, no, but he's going to die. He's like, you're not understanding. Everybody say limited. Our lack of understanding projects out a conceptual view of the world that we live in. And so we see this is fact and this is fiction and we see this is right and this is wrong. But this is a man-made truth system that doesn't exist except within the realms of mankind. And that's why our first scripture, even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit, points to something so powerful and so meaningful if we can understand what perfection is it talking about in the word, the perfection of the flesh. 
that we live within the bounds of a natural system that is bound by the laws of nature and gravity and everything else that we see and touch and feel. And so therefore, when we think of perfection, we think of operating within the system that God himself created. But God says, my commands are above the system you're even participating in. For my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And so as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my plans for your life, saith God. So the perfection that the world is living in, even if you operated in it, it's still limited. But God's commands have no limit because they are supernatural. Hallelujah. You're going to walk out of here understanding today that you have access to the supernatural power of God. And no matter what your natural circumstances may look like, there is a power higher than what you're experiencing. There is a power higher than your end-of-the-road uh, conceptual understanding. There is a power, and it's coming from heaven, and it reaches beyond your start and finish date even on this earth, for our life is but a blink of the eye. But God says eternity shall last forever. We have to see the world through eternal eyes, and we can't get it on our own. Our perfection has limits. So if you're taking notes, write this down. I, I want you to grab a hold of some things today. Hallelujah. Write this down that God's delay is not denial. Hallelujah. God's delay is not your denial. God's delay is not your denial. And God's delay is not your denial. Because we take delays as denial, don't we? But God, it's been two years. We are operating within the boundaries of what we are building out of our scope of what we think is long. The Lord's operating from an eternal perspective. Our means and modes of time rise and set with the sun and moon every day. God doesn't operate that way. In heaven, there is no sun or moon. He is the light. It's a completely different system. So we're asking for the supernatural system we know not of to fit into the box of our understanding. God doesn't work this way. His delay is not your denial. It's just not his time yet. And as we get back to our text today, in verse 4, it's exactly what Jesus said. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said the sickness is not unto death, but it is, think of this, the sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. And here's what, why? So that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That the Lord was looking at this moment and already knew, yeah, whatever you think, you guys don't get it. There's something bigger happening here. God's delay is not your denial. Our faith is what begins to give us access to understand the limitless God and how that limitless power wants to operate and interweave with our life. Now, let me tell you who is limited. Write this down if you've got another point you want to write down. You, you know who is limited? Satan. Satan is limited. He's got all kinds of limitations on him. That's why he loves the world. 
because it's a realm that he can operate in because he's so limited. He just does his best to operate in the limitations that the Lord has even given him a realm to operate in for the time being. And guess what? It's not forever. Don't believe it. Read Revelation. There will be an end. So he's just running around in a, in a limited realm right now until Jesus returns. Colossians 2.15, one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus has nailed our sin to the cross. And in verse 15, it says, having disarmed. Everybody say this word, disarmed. Disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. This is so good. Jesus disarmed Satan when he rose from the grave. This is what Colossians, when you read this whole passage in Colossians, is what he talks about. It's such a beautiful understanding of what we can get of the power of Christ over the work of the enemy on this earth. And this scripture specifically has always jumped out at me because I dove into every word in the Greek. I mean, I wanted to get into this one to understand it. Disarmed, public spectacle, and triumph. Those are the three portions of this scripture. The disarming, the public spectacle, and the triumph was directly paralleled to how kings used to overthrow other kingdoms at this time. And when kingdoms would come together to fight, there was a fear on both sides. One probably was attacking, one was defending. And no matter what side you were on, no matter how confident you were, there was a force to be reckoned with. And most of the time, they didn't know who was going to win. So once the fight was done, it was customary to not kill the king. Because in these days, the king many times would be right out in front leading the fight or at least present in the battle calling the shots. So when the fighting was over and one side was defeated, their goal was not to kill the king. Their goal was to capture the king for this very purpose of disarming him. That means they would strip him of all of his kingly garments. They would Many times kings would have crowns or a, a very fancy sword, and these things showed the authority in the realm of that king and that kingdom, therefore in the, under their covering. And they would strip it all off of him to say, no longer is your kingdom valid. So they would disarm the king. Then they would make a public spectacle of the king, and many times they would literally put a rope uh, around him, and the, the, the reigning king would ride on a horse and lead around the defeated king on the rope to humiliate him in front of the crowds of jeering people. And the people would laugh and spit and throw fruits and vegetables and all sorts of things to absolutely mock the defeated king who had at one point, maybe even a week or two earlier, attempted to kill all of them. And this was a process that kingdoms went through to eradicate fear because they said, listen, this was the guy you were terrified of a couple weeks ago. Now look at him. He's nothing. His kingdom, we just took it. We just took the kingdom, and now it's triumphant. And the entire processional and parades were designed for the understanding that no longer do you have to sleep in fear, wondering if an invader is going to come kill you or your family. The fear is over. The leader is captured. He's in our jail. And not only is he in our jail, he's been stripped of all of his authority. He's been stripped of all his weaponry. And all he can do now is ride around and just do whatever 
whatever we tell them to do. And everybody joins in the fun. And they say, hey, we got victory. And all of a sudden, the knowledge comes in. We're triumphant. The thing that was trying to kill us has now been defeated. Let's celebrate. And this is why the scripture struck me because the Bible's trying to teach us this is what Jesus did to Satan. And imagine Christ sitting on a white horse and Satan being drug around, completely disarmed, because Christ took it all on the cross. And when he raised from the dead, he stripped him of all authority over your life, stripped him of all power. And you are no longer sons and daughters of darkness, but the veil has torn and you can enter into salvation and into the light and life that God has called you into. Hallelujah. This is why devils don't have any effect on me anymore. Because I know who I am in Christ. So if I don't have Christ, guess what? There's a realm that they can run in. But that's because we, we took out the, the horse and the power that was coming with us. But guess what? You are called an heir and a son and daughter to the same kingdom. That means as Jesus rides on the horse, you can ride along with him. You're not just part of the crowd any longer. You're actually a part of the family. So let's get this straight because let me tell you, I, I talk to people all the time. And I pray to people all the time. And one thing that many people deal with, so don't feel alone if you feel like I'm talking to you. Because you're not. There's many people in this room right now and many people all over the world. You feel the torment of the enemy. You feel him coming to your life, into your mind, into your thinking. You feel him coming against you. You, you feel like he's going to have power. You might feel him in your home. You might feel him in your car. You might feel him in all these different places. And all of a sudden that fear starts coming back. Can I repaint the picture of who you're dealing with? This is, this is the enemy that's been completely defeated. Not kind of defeated. He's completely defeated. Yesterday, I had a snake in my yard. I don't like snakes. To be honest, I, I never grew up with snakes. I never played with snakes. I never really saw snakes. I always lived in the suburbs. You know, you don't see a lot of snakes in the suburbs. Well, I'm still in the suburbs, but we had a snake. I don't <laughs> he was in my yard. I didn't know if he was dead. I snuck up on him, and it coiled up. And I was like, "Woo! he's not dead. <laughs> and this snake, he, he wasn't a big snake. You know, I'm not going to tell you a fish story. He was this, you know. He's a littler guy, but a little inexperienced too, so it's a good starting point for me, I guess. And I had flip-flops on, so you know, you got flip-flops, you feel a little exposed, you know. He's going to get my toe. <laughs> so I started this thing, gonna, I was like, you know, you ever get in the, the stance? Like, I, I don't know, this is going to help me against the snake, but I... I'm ready to strike back, you know. So I'm dancing with this little guy, you know. And his head's going, and I'm like, you devil. You devil. And then something hit me. I'm a, I'm a lot bigger than this thing. <laughs> like, a lot bigger. Like, here I am giving this guy power over me. And he's like this long, you know. He's like a baby probably. I don't know. I don't know snakes. But I said, 
I'm going to kill this fool. Now, if you're an animal lover, I'm sorry. We can talk about it later. So I picked up a rock and hit him a couple, threw it at him, you know. So I thought I killed him. I walked away, and then I came back, and that sucker's still moving. I'm like, and I said, and this is great. Now, take it for what it's worth, but I heard a scripture. He will bruise your heel, but you will crush his head. I stomped that snake's head. And I fed the car carcass to my chickens. It was a very triumphant moment. Circle of life right there. The chickens are healthy. <laughs> That's how you need to see yourself with the enemy. He's a tiny little snake. He wasn't even a rattler. This guy had no poison. The worst thing this thing was going to do to me is pinch me. And when I could recognize the reality that I have dominion over this thing, and he came on my property, I didn't want him on my property. I walked in the dominion that God has given me over every beast of the earth. Now, the devil is the same. You have authority over every demonic power on this earth. I don't care if it's a witch doctor or voodoo or a Ouija board or some spirit that thinks they can come in your house. You have authority over it unless you're the one opening the door. And that's a different subject. Because you can invite spirits into your world looking at demonic things, looking at uh, pornographic filth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The lust of the eye. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and if we engage into the world and invite it into our space, you're going to have some demons to deal with. But it doesn't mean you can't get rid of them. Jesus is the ultimate pest control. The Holy Spirit can get it out. But it can't happen when you're still welcoming it in. In the same way I can't have pest control come to my house and have a cockroach farm in my garage. I don't even know if that's a real thing. You understand what I'm saying, though. We can't have it both ways. You can't say, I don't want these in my house, and then also welcome them over here in my secret little corner. No, 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 you got a clean house. Is this too edgy? Or do you want some miracles? Do you want some breakthroughs? we got to surrender to him and let Jesus do the work in us first, and now you've given way to his power to intervene on your behalf. Hallelujah. God wants you victorious. God doesn't want you bound with the tricks of the enemy. He doesn't want you bound with the, the Bible calls it the snares of the enemy, the traps of the enemy. They're bountiful. God wants you to have freedom over it and wants you to understand something, that even if you open the window, even if you open the door to let that spirit in, at any moment you can drop to your knees and wholeheartedly ask God for forgiveness, and he'll do it. And the moment you do that, you have authority again over the things of hell in your life. And you don't have to ever lose it again. Just walk in it daily. You know, my grandfather used to always say something. He taught me this. He said, when I walk in a room, the devil walked out. 
when I walk in a room, the devil walks out. And do you know I lived by that even as a kid because I was scared of the dark. Anybody else scared of the dark as a kid? Or are you still scared? Oh, okay. And I remember as a kid, you know, I think it's pretty normal. Kids get scared of the dark. And I remember one time the lights went out and I was in the basement. My mom didn't know I was down there and flicked the lights out. Like, Mama, I'm down here. And I got real scared. And I'll never forget, I heard the, those words of my grandpa in my head. When I walk in a room, the devil walks out. I remember I was probably like eight years old. I said, I'm not scared of you, devil. Get out. <laughs> and I started learning a lesson that day that if I lived that way the rest of my life, I'd always have victory. And let me tell you what, the, hey. <laughs> He's like, Hey, buddy, you, your guys are down there. <laughs> He's so cute. He came right to Auntie. If you're watching online, you just have to be here. <laughs> when I walk in the room, the devil walks out. And let me tell you something. I can't tell you how many times I've been, especially overseas, in the realm of the demonic, in the realm of evil spirits, in the realm where you could feel the presence of Satan. And if you don't have faith, it's scary. But when you got faith, you can overcome it. You can cast out the devils with a word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something. No matter what you're dealing with in life, you have that authority in Jesus Christ. Come on, clap your hands and believe it. <laughs> Write this down. Number three, we serve a limitless God. Satan is limited. We just talked about it. But we serve a limitless God. Luke 133, he will reign over Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. Ephesians 3.20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Number four, write this, Satan desires you to be limited. He's limited. He wants to drag you down to his limitations. He wants to keep you bound in sin. He wants to keep you bound in stinking thinking. That's an old term, but we say it still because it makes sense. He wants to keep you bound in a way where you look at the world and nothing's going to happen. Nothing good's ever happening. I need to cope. I need to cope. And he's like, yeah, baby, go cope. Go cope. Go grab it. Go grab the substance. Go grab the thing you're watching. Go smoke the thing you smoke. Whatever it is, we all cope in different ways. The enemy wants to pull you into coping things. He wants to pull you into the worldly way of thinking of limitation. Then he wants to to grab your mind through that process and keep your mind dull and keep your thinking dull. That way you're not even thinking clearly, but God has given us the mind of Christ. And that thinking comes out of a completely different well. It's called the spirit of life. It is the well of living waters. And when you're feeling the weight of the world, the enemy wants to pull you into the coping mechanisms of the world. But God's saying, don't, no, 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 no. Don't run to the limitations of the world. You'll never be free. You're just adding chains to your life. Get rid of the chains. God says, I am the chain breaker. Come over to the side of the light and walk in freedom. Walk in triumph. And all of a sudden you can understand that he's going to give you peace where there's been fear perfect love cast out all fear god has not given you a spirit of fear but a power love and a sound mind 
So God wants you to operate not in fear, in doubt, in worry, in consumption of these things. God wants you to operate in the triumphant, born-again nature that he created you to walk in, that you don't have access to without the Holy Spirit. Satan wants you to be limited. Remember John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And let me say this one. When you look up that word steal, it doesn't mean to mug. Have you ever thought of that? I have when I've read this scripture. Satan's coming to steal. I, I pictured myself walking down a New York street, and some guy jumps out with a mask on. Give me your money. <laughs> like, boisterous, all up in your face, all intense. No, no, no. You know what's interesting? When you look this word up in the Greek, it means something totally different. It actually means to secretly pickpocket you. So Satan is not mugging you in a very broad, open, daylight kind of scenario to where you can now look back and be like, I remember when Satan stole from me. Satan is sneaky. So he comes and pickpockets your joy, pickpockets your peace, pickpockets your thinking, pickpockets your uh, uh, salvation one day at a time, pickpockets you, and you don't even know it's going, but you're feeling a little empty, or you're feeling like you don't have what you used to have. You're tapping around, going, wait, where's my wallet? I had it three hours ago, and you're saying, where's my peace? I had it two weeks ago. Why am I feeling this way today? Why? What's going on with me? What's wrong with me? And Satan's just going, ha, ha, pickpocket. He's secretly stealing. And it brings a spirit of limitation on your life. Don't worry, I'm almost done. A spirit of limitation that says, I know that the power of God's real, just not for me. I, I know when I hear the pastor preach that healing can happen, that's just not for me. I know it can go this far, but I can't go any further. Limited. And the enemy's pickpocketing us to start putting that limited mindset on us, to start making you realize, oh, you're in a limited world. You're in a limited realm, just like me. I'm limited. You're limited. And you're crazy to think you could do anything besides the limitations. That is the spirit of limitation coming on you. Maybe you can believe God to receive healing or pray for someone for a headache, but nothing more than that. Maybe you can believe God to help you with a, a minimum payment on your bill. God, if you can just help me pay the minimum payment, Lord, I'd be so grateful. The spirit of limitation is saying, don't thank God in advance for your debt being canceled. Just have a little bit. He's stealing. And that spirit gets on us to be like, well, I deserve it. I deserve to be bound. I deserve to not have the things that this person has or that the pastor preaches about having. I earned it. You know what? So did all of us. Sin earns us death, and we're all sinners. So guess what? Join the club. We're all in the same club called sinners. But then Jesus. Jesus washes it away. Jesus sets us free. Jesus adopts us and says, you're part of a new family. Jesus says, you can bury the old sinful nature and start walking in a new nature. That's why it's called born again. You're not the same you you used to be now. You're not the same person that was bound that way. You're not the same person that had to live in debt your whole life. Well, four generations has lived in debt. That's my destiny. Uh-uh. Bury it. Take the limited thinking off your minds. Well, all my family gets divorces. I'm sure my marriage is going to end in divorce. Bury it. 
just because you've seen trends and generational curses. Jesus is the curse breaker. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He is the curse breaker. And we have to give the curse breaker room in our life to break the curse. But the spirit of limitation will go, I know he's the curse breaker, just not my curse breaker. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. That's not you. That's the spirit of limitation on your life. I know that others can have that, but not me. I curse that in Jesus' name. Do you know it's biblical, the Christian curse? Jesus cursed a fig tree. Didn't bear any fruit. Do you know everything in your life that's not bearing fruit, you start cursing it in Jesus' name. Say, you didn't bring fruit in my life. You're dead. You have that authority through him. Somebody clap your hands and praise God. All right, give me five minutes and we're done. How does the spirit of limitation come to power? One, a personal lack of faith. In a story of Lazarus, in verse 21, Martha had it. And it says this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She had a personal lack of faith, which caused the spirit of limitation. She believed he could do that, but nothing more. If you would have been here, he'd be fine. But you weren't. Now, death. And you can't fix death, Jesus. How dare us ever tell the living God what he can and can't do? But the spirit of limitation will. That's why we have to break it off of our life. How about verse 37? You can also get a spirit of limitation from other people. Oh, my goodness. Who's in your circle? Who is in your circle? Who do you give your ear to? Who are you letting speak into your life? Do you know if they're not full of faith, they're going to speak nothing but death and limitation to you because they are not a part of the same system. The Bible says when you're a Christian, you are in this world but not of it. The Bible says you are not like everybody else. You are a peculiar people. You are different. You are called. You are set apart. You are pulled out. You are a city set upon a hill. You are a light that shines in the darkness. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But what does light have to do with dark? And the only way you can get fellowship with darkness is to start being more dark like them so you can engage with them. Can I tell you something? It'd be better for you to eat lunch alone every day in your car and listen to some good worship music and some good preaching than it is to have fellowship with darkness. Until you're ready to bring light into darkness, you might need to isolate until that flame can grow to a place where you can walk in the fullness that he has for you. And in verse 37, some of these people on the Bible, could not this man, this is how they sound in my head, who opened the eyes of the blind also kept him from dying? Mm. Too bad, Jesus. They're saying the same things that Martha was, limited. Wow, yeah, he opened the eyes of the blind, but he messed up on this one. Limitation. Can I tell you something this morning? It's time to break the spirit of limitation. It's time to break the chains of limitation.
I watched an analogy on a Discovery Channel or something years ago about an elephant in India. And they were talking about how they tamed the elephants. And as a baby, they would put a rope around the baby's ankle and just put a strong, sturdy stick in the ground. That's all it required. And the elephant, as a young baby, would do everything to pull away from this stick. But the rope, every time they'd go over here and they'd hit the rope, they'd yank on it, but they could never break free of the stick. Oh, and I got it wrong. Excuse me. It was a metal bolt in the ground when they're babies. They're cemented and they cannot move it. And the whole purpose of the elephant trainer is to break their spirit. That's what they say. We want to break the spirit of this animal so they know when we put that around their ankle, they're not going anywhere. And it works so well that when they become full-grown adults, if you put the same bolt and thing on that full-grown adult, they just lift their leg and it's going to rip out of the ground. But their mind is so broken that they know that as soon as they feel that chain go on their ankle, they just become like a child again and go, I never go any further than this. And they just sit there. And in fact, as an adult, and they showed it on the Discovery Channel, they didn't have to use chains and bolts anymore. They would just put the rope and the stake in the ground around the adult. And that's all they needed for the adult. The, the, the adult just needed the feeling of it. Now, here's a huge elephant with tusks and could destroy everything. But the mind was broken. And that's how they tame them. So if the elephant gets a little whatever, they just put the little rope around their leg and remind them, you can't go past this point. Do you know the enemy works in the same way? Maybe when you were a child or a baby Christian, you had some defeats come in your life, and you believed God for something and didn't see it happen yet, and you viewed it instead of as God's timing, as God's denial for you, and you took it as rejection, or maybe somebody hurt you in your family or hurt you in the church, or whatever your story might be. And if you're not careful, they become the very chain of limitation like it is on the elephant. And here you are as an adult now. You're a mature Christian. And you're walking in things like you never dreamt of. But certain issues come up, and it's just like getting the rope around your leg. And instantly you, you, you shrink back, and you realize, I can't go any further than this anymore. Let me tell you what Jesus did. John eleven thirty nine. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for days, four days. They're almost begging Jesus, don't, don't even try. We know you can't do this. Spirit of limitation. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And when they took away the stone from that place where the dead man was lying, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You have heard me, and I know you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing, I said this, that they may believe you sent me. Now he said with these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot from grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Let me conclude with this for you today. Jesus wants to say to your limitation, loose them and let them go. That there is a miracle that he has crafted for your life, that the enemy is going to try and put that rope around your ankle every time. And every time you feel it coming on, you start feeling defeated. Usually it's with areas you're struggling. Okay? So if you don't struggle with lust, then 
you probably won't ever have that struggle like others do. Or if you didn't struggle with alcohol, then you won't have the struggle with alcohol if it comes. But if you do in certain areas, that's your rope. And you have to understand something. That you're not the same person you used to be. You're a new creation. You are born again. You have authority over that thing. And just like that elephant who's been growing, the problem is the enemy wants to keep pulling you back into limited thinking and go, no, 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 no. Go back. If you touch that, you're going down. If you even think of this, you're done. You're a sinner. You're out. You might as run away from God. He doesn't love you anymore. Lies, lies, lies. He's pickpocketing you. He's pickpocketing you. He's trying to shrink you back into the limited version of yourself that was the edemic nature, the one that lives in the flesh. But I'm here to tell you today that we serve a God of love limitless power and he wants to pour his spirit into you and onto you for your life and your family and your friends and your destiny and I'm telling you today if you surrender to God and if you say God I'm your servant I'm your son I'm your daughter you will get a new vision of yourself like I did with that little snake and understand something that thing I'm so scared of I can stomp his head Victory's coming into your life. Victory's coming into your life. Let me say it again. Victory's coming into your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want us to pray. I want us to pray. Stand with me. Nikita, if you come play for a second. Come on, let's lift our hands as we conclude this morning. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory. And Lord, I ask and thank you for the spirit of limitation to be broken off of our lives. Lord, let us get an understanding that you are a limitless God full of all infinite supernatural power. And you love us and you made us and created us. And Lord, today we give you our lives. Now, right now, before we conclude, just with your eyes closed, I want you to think about that rope. What's your rope? What's that thing that the enemy seems to pull you back with? I want you to look at that thing. And now I want you to say something to it. I want you to say, you're broken. Come on, out of your mouth. Talk to that rope. Say, you're broken. Say it again. Say, you're broken. By the power of Jesus, that rope is destroyed. The enemy no longer has his hold on you. The enemy is defeated. He's a public spectacle. He's been stripped of his authority and his armor and his weaponry. He, he, he's just one you can mock and laugh and jeer at now. You don't have to be scared of him any longer because God has adopted you and placed you on the horse with him. He's brought you into his family. He's brought you into his kingdom. And even though the enemy always got his words, he's going to try and lie to you. He's going to try and tell you you're not worthy. He's going to try and tell you, but let me tell you, he's, he's speaking out of his own envy because he will never have what you can have, which is freedom because of Jesus Christ. Father, I call freedom into this place. I call victory into this place. And, Lord, we come against 
all curses in Jesus' name. We are curse breakers in Jesus' name. And we come against all things that don't bear fruit in our life. And Lord, we just declare the spirit of limitation be broken in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.